Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 43 of The Home Hour. This is the show where we talk about your family, your home, food, and everything that goes on inside your four walls. I'm Megan Francis, your host. I'm a mom of five and the creator of the Happiest Home blog. Glad you're here. This is a special episode because we are talking about Thanksgiving, specifically hosting Thanksgiving. Um, Sarah Powers, who is the managing editor at The Happiest Home um, and is a frequent guest on this show, is on today. And we have lots of conversation advice, tips, um, thoughts about having people over at your house on Thanksgiving and whether that means you're cooking everything yourself or people are bringing things. And I even admit that when my kids were little babies and we hosted Thanksgiving, we actually got Boston Market a couple of years in a row. Um, but that's not what we're talking about today because you could probably figure that out yourself. Um, we are talking about everything from the turkey to the sides, getting it all done on time. We talk about how to make sure everybody has a good time, especially if you have a mixed group um, of people who maybe don't know each other as well and in-laws and that kind of thing. Great discussion as usual with Sarah. So I'm just going to jump right into it. Um, hope you enjoy our conversation about Thanksgiving. So I'm here with the awesome Sarah Powers to talk about hosting Thanksgiving. Hey, Sarah. Hey. So we decided that we were going to do a whole series this year about hosting Thanksgiving because each of us um, feel like we've kind of come to that point in our adult lives where we're we're like real grownups. Mm-hmm. Um, and so instead of always going to an elder relative's house for holidays, sometimes we host. And this has been actually my reality for a while now, just because we've had kids longer than you know anybody on my um, husband's side of the family and a lot of them. And so I think people started coming to us sooner just because it was easier for them to come to us than for us to go to yeah, them. But that's exactly where we yeah. are now too, because we have like the most complicated brood. Right. So but this is a kind of a newer thing for you, right? Yeah, I think yeah. we've hosted, you know what, we've hosted a few times, but we've it, it's been when my parents live in the same town, and so we totally have cheated, and they've either brought a ton, or we've been able to cook in a couple different kitchens, so so we've technically hosted, but I, I've never felt quite as responsible as the last couple of years, where like, you really are doing the bulk of the cooking, and your house is the gathering place, because we've had... We've had it where we kind of split it with my parents, and so yeah. we've, we may have eaten in my house before, but I think this is the first year where I kind of feel like... That, like we're really hosting because people are traveling and staying with us and that kind of thing. It's funny that you mentioned that because another thing that just occurred to me is one of the reasons why we wound up sort of by default, which I had forgotten, um, hosting when we were, you know, a much younger couple is because we had a lot of fall babies. And so it would become sort of like the, you know, that was when people would come to see the baby yeah. and us and we would end up sort of quote unquote hosting. But for at least two or three of those years, we got Boston Market. Nice. <laughs> Which I have to say is not a bad option if you are really stressed out or if like the turkey explodes or doesn't thaw all the way, which I've had happen before. And we can talk about that um, (laughs) today. Um, You know, honestly, it made for a very relaxed holiday. And sometimes that's all that matters. But we're going to get into some of the strategic, you know, and and sort of logistical strategies for when you do want to actually cook a big meal and you're dealing with a normal, not commercial kitchen. I don't even have a double oven anymore, which is, you know, took a little bit to get used to. But um, so we have some questions that we've taken from readers, right, Sarah? You've, you've yeah, so this was really fun. So we, we opened up a thread on our Facebook page. And then also from our email subscribers, we got some questions. So we basically asked you guys, what are your worries about hosting Thanksgiving this year? Like, what are you, what are you kind of, uh, you know, worried about or problems that you need solved that you're not yes. sure how it's all going to work out? So yeah, we got some good questions. And this would be a perfect time for us to point out that you too can be a part of the email list, which may yeah. give you an opportunity to kind of weigh in on stuff like this. And if you just go to thehappiesthome.com, it's right there, right? It's really easy to sign up. Yep. yep. It's right in the sidebar. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so do above. that because we send out a lot of good emails. Yeah, definitely. It's but not too many. Yeah, not too many. Just the perfect amount of really good emails. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, we got some great questions. And I think people, a lot of these questions, I think everybody kind of relates to. So I think this is going to be good. Great. Okay. Well, why don't you hit us with it? All right. So let's, I think we should start with food because there's some, there's, you have a lot of experience with the hosting and I think you're, you're just, you have a lot of experience managing a busy kitchen. So I think these will 
Um, you'll be able to solve people's problems, Megan, oh, I believe. Um, so here's the first one that this is like probably one of the most common worries, I'm guessing. And this is, um, my worry is how to best stage the food for prep and cooking so that it's all ready at the same time. I think if we all knew how to do that, Thanksgiving would be a lot less stressful. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, how does that work in your house? Or, or what thoughts do you have on that? Okay. Well, one thing that I have done, um, obviously, and something that I sort of, I guess, underestimated the first time I pulled mm-hmm. one of these meals together was the turkey and how long, I mean, assuming you're making a turkey, which I'm just going to kind of go with yep. the idea that you're making yeah. some sort of large bird. Right. Um, if you buy it frozen, it's going to take longer than you think to thaw. So just keep that in mind. We we had mm-hmm. one year where it went awry because my sister and I bought it, I don't know, like two and a half days before we were planning on cooking it and it was not even close. And then we had to, I don't remember, I think we just made a ham and drink mimosas. But anyway, um, it worked out okay. But again, we wanted turkey. So that's the first thing is like, that's going to be in the oven for the bulk of the time. And you gotta, you can't really be taking it in and out. So you have to work around that right. to the best of your knowledge or the best of you, your ability. So a couple of things that we did last year, which I didn't even really realize were options. Um, one thing is you can, when a side gets done, you can put it in the cooler and it will keep it warm for a surprisingly long period of time. What so do you, you, sorry, this is a dumb question. What do you mean by a cool? Oh, like, like a cool, like, like a, a party cooler. Like a, oh, okay, like that you would take to a, yeah. Okay, yeah, because yeah. they're insulated, right? right. So if so you we'll have, yeah, so if you cover it real tightly with foil or if you have, um, if you have like uh, some kind of a dish with a, like a tight glass lid or something like that, you know, you can stick it in there, stack them up inside the cooler. And especially when you've got lots of them you know, lots of hot things right. in there all at right. once, it will stay warm for kind of a long time. Is, I had no idea. That yeah. Good... Yeah. So I didn't really, I mean, that didn't occur to me because, you know, in my, in my little brain, um, cooling coolers are for cooling and, but it yeah, basically, but yeah. me too until 10 <laughs> seconds ago. <laughs> so that really works. The other thing is I actually had an, you know, Sarah, that I am not a chart person. I am not big schedule person, but right. last year I actually took every dish I was making wrote down the amount of time it would take to cook and actually kind of drew like a timeline. Mm-hmm. That's smart. So I had things going in and going out. And what I ended up doing with a lot of, it, you know, like the vegetables and things, I just, I kind of chose things that besides, I knew the turkey would be the touchiest and also mm-hmm. the least predictable. You don't always mm-hmm. exactly know how long yes. it's going to take. Yes. So everything else, I just did really simple stuff. Like we, um, and we have a post that we'll definitely link to in the show yep. notes that had some of our side dishes that we were making. And one of mine was like a Brussels sprouts and sweet potatoes. Well, you know, you can kind of, it's pretty easy to tell when they're going to be done and you can Mm -hmm. always pull them out five minutes early and then just let them cool Mm -hmm. sitting there on the counter. Mm -hmm. And then while the turkey is resting, you can pop them back in. Mm -hmm. So something like that, you know, I like my rolls to come out super hot. So I knew Mm -hmm. rolls were going to be like the last thing I pulled out, but everything else you have a lot of flexibility with. And it kind of like, um, if you're, if you've got relatives, guests or whoever is coming, if they're bringing sides, Ask them to put them in something that can go in the microwave. So like a bowl. Oh, okay. So I'm going to jump in because this was a very specific question. No, it's right on that same. And so another question was how to have everyone bring food to contribute when they are traveling a distance and and if you only have one oven. So that's kind of the same. Yeah. Well, and you know, like something like, okay, so here's another example. Something like a a green bean casserole Mm -hmm. or any kind of casserole really. But a, a green bean casserole is one that I think we can kind of all relate to, right? You mm-hmm. can have that sitting in a crock pot and then you can just kind of assemble it at the last minute in the casserole dish, put the little onions on top and pop it in the mm-hmm. oven just to mm-hmm. get that crust. So mm-hmm. I think for me, like differentiating between cooking and finishing was a big yes. one. And then yes. just allowing myself and just realizing that most finishing could happen in five minutes in a hot oven. Right. Um. So, so when you look at it that way, it really opens you up to being able to use almost anything to keep the food warm or just to right. warm it back up. Right. Um, so, but if everyone shows up with a huge casserole dish that doesn't fit in the microwave and there's no right. place to put it, then you've right. got a problem. So, right. I mean, I, it's no. to the extent that you can and that you have that kind of relationship with your guests, which I know sometimes is tricky. Um, if it was like my sister-in-law or my sister, I would have no right. qualms about saying, hey, just bring, just bring it in a bowl, you know? Yeah. And I'll put it in a pretty serving dish or whatever. Don't worry about that part of it. No, that's really smart. Um, and I think like what you said about the rolls too, I think – um, it helps if you kind of, if you know what's really important to have really hot, because mm-hmm. I think like if you're putting hot gravy on super hot turkey and super hot mashed potatoes, like not everything has to be probably ideally right. piping hot. There are some things, I guess it sounds gross to say it this way, but there are some things that are probably okay 
warm and other things right. that really need to be hot. So kind of acknowledging yeah. that that there's probably a, a pecking order or a priority right. to what needs to be super hot and what is fine that if it's just warm, you know. Yeah, for sure. So like, for example, and also um, keep in mind that a turkey that has not yet been cut into will retain heat for a long time. Yeah. And, and you're, you're supposed yeah. to cool it for a while, right? Yeah. And you're not supposed to eat it piping hot. So it's right. supposed to come out of the oven. It's supposed to rest for like 20 to 30 minutes. Right. It's usually got uh, foil tented over it. So it's going to retain that heat. And then when, until you cut into it, that in like the inner meat isn't even going to really start cooling down. You'll be surprised right. how hot it still is when you cut into it. So, and then something like, you know, like again, like Brussels sprouts and sweet potatoes, those stay really hot, like uncomfortably hot for, you know, like 10 minutes. Like sometimes I have to let those sit out before I can even serve them because the kids will burn their mouth. So, I mean, those kinds of things, we just get a lot of leeway. You throw a towel over it or some foil and you're going to, you're going to get more, um, length and mileage out of, out of those coverings than you maybe think. And I guess that the last strategy I use is just don't overcomplicate things. And don't feel like you have to have 8 million different dishes. Like that, you know, if you're going to have potatoes, have like one kind of potato. If you're going to have, you know, one or two vegetable sides, I mean, you don't have to have so many different um, dishes going on that it becomes a stressor for you. And not everybody has to bring a dish, like not everybody has to bring a side, you know, Mm -hmm. somebody Mm -hmm. can bring um, a pie or, and then pies can also cook while you're eating, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't have to dig into that right away. So it did take some organization to get it right. And the timeline that I made did help, but I guess above all, I would say, don't stress about it too much because like you said, a lot of it can be eaten kind of warm, even lukewarm. Turkey is great lukewarm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think several of those things are kind of okay. Lukewarm, especially if you have some other hot things on the plate or there's hot gravy or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Hot gravy is important. Yes. Um, so, oh, I did want to say who sent in these questions because I think that's fun. So yeah. um, that, that question about staging the food was Christina. That came in on our Facebook thread. And then Amber Christina. had the related question about um, people traveling and how to, how to um, when you have people bringing to a potluck and they need yeah. to use your oven. So yeah. those were awesome. Thanks, Christina and Amber. Christina? Yeah. Christina? Christina, yes. Christina and Amber. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, okay. So here's another one that came in via email. And this is about, it's more logistics. So this is about seating. And I know that you have thoughts on this. Actually, this came up. We should link to the podcast that we did with Kristen, the um, party stylist, the, par- yes, the event absolutely. stylist, because she had great thoughts about seating a lot of people in your house. And this is related to that. So the question is, She says, here's the debate in our house. One mega long table stretching from dining room into kitchen to fit 17 people or buffet style with tables set in the dining rooms and living room. So go for your thoughts on that. Okay. Well, I think that this is not necessarily a one's better and one's worse. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it depends a lot on your family culture, I guess. And for me personally, I like things a little more informal in my own house. So, um, as awesome as it sounds to have a super long table and everybody to be at it, um, I'm not going to be able to talk to the people at the very end, you know, at the mm-hmm. other end anyway. <laughs> so mm-hmm. in that case, I guess if the family was that large, I would probably break things up and have people kind of just sit where they're comfortable. But we did talk about this, you know, that does present some logistical options because, you know, depending on where you're having people sit, are you having, are you breaking it up into tape, like literal tables with chairs mm-hmm. where people can sit and eat, you know, with a knife and a fork and their napkin in their lap? Mm-hmm. Or is it going more like people perched on the sofa? That kind of, you know, when you're eating gravy. <laughs> right. Well, in this case, so this work. was Corey from our, uh, one of our email subscribers. Okay. And so she did hey, say, Corey. um, or with tables set in the dining room and living room. So okay. in this case, it does sound like there's a possibility to have two or more sit-down tables, which in my house, it would probably be more like you were saying, like a table and then kind of here and there. Right. Yeah. Which that is different when you're dealing with gravy. Yeah. Oh gosh. You know, why not mix it up? Like I kind of feel like one year it would be really fun to have a long table and everyone's at it. Like you're at some, you know, like you're on Downton Abbey or something, you've got this yeah. enormous mm-hmm. long table and you get all, all the china out. But you don't always have to do everything the same way every year. So maybe one year it's just going to be a little more casual. I mean, if if that's how it's going to be in your house that year, that's fine. If you want to eat off paper plates and, you know, make everything easy to eat so you can put people in, a, in an easy chair and not have them spill all over themselves – I think that's okay too. And in our house, it's also um, has depended on the ages of the kids. I mean, mm-hmm. we have the traditional kid table, 
but only because we can't all fit at our dining room table. So we always have a separate table set up mm-hmm. and the kids just all end up sitting together. It's not like they feel like they've been left right. out. Um, right. That just is what happens. And it's so close to our table that it, it it's almost it's like an just thing. an extension of our table anyway. Right. But well, you can I think, you oh, know, have those. Sorry. Well, you can just have those more personal conversations or a little, you know, it's just yes. a little more intimate. Yes. And I think like for this question, I think 17 to me seems like a lot, even if you could put two tables together and make it one long table. We, we got our first real dining room table about a year ago and it has two, it has a leaf on either end. So it can, when it's extended, it can seat 12 comfortably. And that was like big. Our, our old table was nothing like half that. So, um, so it's been fun the last couple of holidays to see, uh, we've, we've had 11 or 12 and Mm. because we seat comfortably around that size table, it has been fun. More than that, I, I, I agree. I think I would go with splitting it up. And the other thing I was going to say is if, if you have like a, like a toast or a time when you're, you know, saying grace or like acknowledging the family, that that doesn't always have to happen around one big table. Like right. you could do during like cocktail hour, or appetizers or some other or dessert or, you know, before mm-hmm. you cut into the pies, you could have kind of if, if the family element is important of all being together, that you could kind of orchestrate another time where everyone could hear each other and either, you know, say the prayer or give a toast. And it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to feel separate if that's the part that's important to you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like you absolutely. could just rig that into another part of the yeah, Thanksgiving. Yeah, totally. And another thing that I just popped into my head while you were talking and I was thinking about, you know, kind of crowding around the table as we sometimes do is, you know, on Thanksgiving, you have several, you're going to have a platter, probably, you're going to have lots of stuff going on. And if you have kids at the table, especially, I just feel like it's best to leave as much elbow room (laughs) as possible, especially like down at the ends where things start to kind of like, you know, get all kind of pushed up and like close, dangerously close to the edge. Um, I just, I like, I feel like everyone is just more relaxed when there's plenty of room for you to gesticulate while you talk. And those, I mean, I'm very, I talk well, with my I, hands. Yeah. I and now that, you, now that you say that, I was thinking that even when we have everyone around the same table, because Corey was asking buffet versus serving, right. sitting down. And I think even when we all sit together at one table, we do like at least half of the dishes buffet style for that reason, just right. to make room. So I, what I usually do is I pick the things that will make sense to have on the table, bread and butter, salt mm-hmm. and pepper, um, and sometimes if there's like a, like a relish type, like a cranberry relish, or if it's yeah. something that you might add to your plate as a, as an add on, but the hot dishes that take up a lot of space, we always do buffet, even when we are, and that's again, cause we have small kids and not everybody can pass and it takes up a right. lot of space. But so yeah. I don't think that's an either or either you can do right. buffet and I'll sit together, you know? Yeah. That's a good point. So do you feel like right. we answered that question? I think so. To the fullest of our ability. <laughs> I think so. And to go back to that, there's nothing wrong with a super long table of 17 people too. Yeah. I think in some families that could be really fun. Yeah. Agreed. Um, okay. So this question is going more into kind of like the social emotional <laughs> parts okay. of things. So, um, this question is, and I'll look, I'll look at the name in just a second, but this year, my worries are mostly interpersonal dinner will likely include members of family from both sides. And I want it to feel comfortable and stress-free for all of our guests. Okay. So, well, I think that, um, I think this like largely depends on your family dynamics, right? I mean, I know that I could put almost any of my family members in with almost any of my husband's family members and it would be fine. Um, Mm -hmm. But that said, there are definitely people who just for whatever reason don't end up at our our social events that would be harder to Mm -hmm. link up. So I think, I think it's like that old art of planning a dinner party Mm -hmm. where you put people with other people that, you feel like they're going to have something to talk about or they're going to bring something. To, and you don't put the two people who hate each other or who have the long-standing feud sitting next right. to each other. The trick is in an informal family event, you're probably not going to have name cards at the table. Right. Um, I mean, we don't do that, no. and I can't really imagine starting. So I think some of it is you know, steering people in the direction that's most comfortable to them. And maybe this is where the seating becomes more important. Like mm-hmm. maybe if you're in a family where there's some people who just really don't love each other, maybe this is the time that you let people just sit wherever they feel like sitting. Mm-hmm. And some people are going to gravitate to in front of the football game. And some people are going to want to sit at the dining room table. And some people are going to end up perching at the kitchen counter. And, you know, so there's this different, you know, I think that if preserving that piece is the big, is most important to you, which I think it absolutely should be above any other party planning, you know, techniques or anything like that, 
that you just do what you can to make that comfortable. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on this, Sarah? I feel like this is Um, one of those things where it's like, don't, you know, don't bring up certain, don't talk about politics or religion. It's so specific. I know some families where you have some, you know, some serious like interpersonal stress and other Mm -hmm. times it's more just about like we combine our, like my in-laws and my family's a lot and everybody gets along totally. But there's still some times where people don't know each other as well if there's right. you know, cousins or, and I think this came from Christine, by the way, one of our readers on Facebook. So we've had a Christina and a Christine. So I think, um, Christine, like if you're anything like me, you, you're probably worried about it more than anyone else. I was there. just going to say that. Unless, unless we're talking about like serious family feud type right. stuff, but I, I don't get the impression that she is more just about making sure that everyone feels really comfortable and has a good time and has somebody to talk to. And mm-hmm. typically if like, I would be someone who would think about that way more than anybody else who is yeah. there. Like the people who are there are going to talk to the people who they feel they comfortable to. talking right. to, whether that's someone new to them or, you know, and the other thing I would say is that you can always, if you do want to kind of orchestrate a little bit of this to make sure, um, you can always give somebody like a job or a, or not a job, but like, you know, suggest an activity that can kind of diffuse any, just like, let's sit around with a glass of wine and talk. If that feels uncomfortable, like you could ask, um, you know, if there's more like an introverted family member who isn't as social with everybody, you can ask them to take the kids on a walk around the block or, yes. you know, mm-hmm. like things that, that might depart from the traditional, like, let's all sit around and catch up about the last year and talk to each other. Right. If you know that there's some people that that's just not their style, yeah. um, I think you can orchestrate in a fun way and be like, hey, why don't you guys, you know, I need you guys to go out and collect leaves or, you know. Like, right. Yeah. No, whatever. I like and that. And you can use your kids. You use your kids. You can use you your can, kids for many you can, things. You know, sort of group off and be like, hey, let's get a card game going over here. You know, so I think without being, without making yourself crazy trying to micromanage it. Mm-hmm. I think, if, you know, that you can sort of use your hostessing powers to um, suggest different activities to break up the, if that's uncomfortable, the, like the long cocktail hour type I, thing. I agree with that. And I, also, I think that sometimes the cocktail hour, and I, and I love that phrase, um, can be like, for, for example, at our house, I always invite Usually what ends up happening is the women end up sort of congregating with me in the kitchen mm-hmm. um, and we'll have like a glass of wine and I'm cooking and I'm busy doing stuff and people are sort of sitting around talking. And in that scenario, if it's people who don't know each other as well, everybody can kind of find some people just want to sit there and talk and that's great. Some people want to be busy and helping and that's mm-hmm. great. Some people want to kind of be going in and out of the room and mm-hmm. that's great. And it kind of gives everyone, like you said, something to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a bit of an icebreaker as well. And I don't do that as much on Thanksgiving just because the people who are there are usually already pretty comfortable with each other, but it's definitely right. worked. And when I've had a house party with like a mixed group yeah, uh, for people to have that informal way to talk, they can talk to me, which everybody knows me. So I'm sort of the right. you know connector or they can talk to the other person that they know or they can help right. me and listen right. or whatever right. it is. It kind of just gives everyone a way to ease in. And and the other thing is, and I think men do this differently. Like I think men need the the TV on in the football mm-hmm. game. I mean, I just, mm-hmm. it's like, that's what draws them. Yeah. Even the ones who don't watch football, it's just what, it's so stereotypical, right. but it's so true. It gives them something to do right. and something, something to, to talk about and something it to reminds, look at. This is like off topic, but have you ever seen those like psych studies of little kids, how boys talk to each other and girls talk to each other, how the boy, like little boys, like five-year-olds, they, they recorded them and they were both facing forward. That's what it reminded me of. The yeah. boys, they, they sit facing forward talking to each other and the girls face each other. Yeah, that just yes. gave me that image. That's It's the grown-up version of it's that. It's so true. And it's kind of like how little girls play, like the way like, little girls and little boys play. Like little boys run around and like they play, was it parallel play? It's more likely uh-huh. to be like they're yeah. doing their own things and they're not interacting in the same way. And that's... You know, again, it's stereotypical, but th- certain things that play out, you see them play out again and again, oh. and you see <laughs> sure. there's a there's a basis for it. So yeah, yeah, no, so, I agree. I, yeah. I th- and and I think um, back to the kids. We just because our kids are little, they they still kind of need you know an adult to be spearheading some kind of activity. And I have kind of use that to help break up certain social situations if somebody wants to take them out for a walk or wants mm-hmm. to play a game. And I, I mean, I wouldn't do that to somebody who is totally un comfortable around right. kids, but it can be a way to just sort of mix up the groupings if that, right. if you need to. And I want to get back to what you said originally, which is, was actually where my mind was going is that the, I think the best way to make everybody in your house comfortable and have a good time is for you to be comfortable and have mm-hmm. a good time. Mm-hmm. So if you, you know, I feel like us stressing about certain things, like me stressing about 
having the perfect meal isn't actually going to make anybody have a better time. (laughs) Um, And so I think that they want you, you know, they want more as much of you as you can pass around. So to whatever extent that you can simplify the rest of the stuff and just be more relaxed and more present, um, I think then everybody has a better time. Well, and that perfectly segues into this next question, which is um, about kind of how not to just go overboard and kind of get get yourself so exhausted that you don't have fun. So um, the, the question reads, this year my fear is general exhaustion. So for this person, um, she has a bunch going on outside Thanksgiving mm-hmm. that week. Um, and she said, I considered not hosting, but it's my favorite holiday and I just don't trust it to anyone else. So kind of the fear of just taking on too much. Yeah. You know, and just, well, you know, yeah. exhaustion. Yeah. I, I think that when we look, I've, well, there's, first of all, there's physical and there's mental exhaustion, right? So if you look at like the actual meal, um, it can be a lot of standing on your feet. You know, it can be a lot of uh, cleanup during and after. <laughs> um, and so that can be tiring for sure. Mm-hmm. So I think that to the extent that you can do enough planning ahead of time to make sure you have everything that you need on hand um, and to make sure that you kind of have a, some kind of strategy for getting the meal to come together is really helpful. Mm-hmm. I think reducing the number of dishes is mm-hmm. definitely huge. Mm-hmm. And I think that's some place where we sometimes don't do as good of a job. Yeah. <laughs> I so mean, hard. we don't have to have every single meal, like every single favorite traditional dish you ever have had does not have to be represented right. at right. this year's Thanksgiving right. dinner. Right. Right. Um, you can pick, you know, just a few. And, and as it's long so as- funny how hard that is, how it ingrained it is. Like you just kind of like, you're like, but I can't not have mashed potatoes or whatever right. it is for you. But you really, you can. Like, it will be fine. And I, I think it's interesting that she doesn't, you know, that she doesn't trust other people with the holiday. And I wonder if that means she doesn't trust them to take on the whole thing. Or would she would she be able to delegate some parts out? I mean, if she's right. got a relative right. who lives in town close enough that they can do half the cooking. Right. Or bring over a few dishes just completely ready to go. And I guess in that case, I would say, you know, delegate to the people that you trust the most right. that you feel like you can make that ask of. And I know we all have those people that we can ask a lot of and people we can't ask as much of, right? And maybe delegate in ways that are a little bit outside the box. Like right. everyone bringing a dish is sort of like the first go-to. But right. if you know that like the evening, like for me, like I'm so bad late at night. Like I do not want to be up till 11 o'clock doing dishes. You know, right. I know that like post dinner is when I'm going to crash. So, you know, if that's you, maybe just letting somebody know, like you're off the hook for bringing a dish, but what I really need you when I really right. need you is, you know, helping dry and put away dishes at the end of the night, you yeah, know, and if it is sure. close friends and family, you know, feeling like it's okay to ask for that kind of all kinds of help, you know, or taking the kids or putting the kids to bed while you have a glass of wine or, you know, whatever it is. Yes. So ask for, yeah, ask for help in ways that really will help you. Right. And that you'll feel good about. And, you know, if you've got like teenage um, relatives or guests coming, throw them five to 10 bucks and have them just clean the kitchen all shiny for you. Yeah. (laughs) They might love it to get away from the adults for a while and you don't even have to worry about it. And I love paying kids to do stuff for me because... It's like the ultimate in, it's like the ultimate delegation because Mm -hmm. I know I don't really, I mean, I'm not that worried about how it turns out. If I go to bed and it turns out the kids loaded the dishwasher and tomorrow I have to run it again because they didn't do it that great. That's not that big of a deal as long as there's not a whole bunch of dishes in my sink when I go to sleep or whatever, you know? And it's like, they're just going to do it and they're going to leave you. You're not going to feel bad about it, you know, or like, like you're infringing on somebody else's good time. Um, the other so. thing I think about that, about specifically about the cleaning up, um, is that it kind of reaches like a bottleneck when people don't know where stuff goes. I don't know yeah. if that happens in your house. And that's, I've always sort of like taken this approach, like, oh, never mind, I'll just do it. And I, something about this, we have, you know, we, we moved about three months ago. And so it's a new kitchen to me. And um, my mom helped figure out where everything was going to go. And every house guest we've had so far, just family and stuff, I've been like, let me show you where this goes so that you know. You know, people who legitimately want to help. I'm not saying like you, you know, give the kitchen tour to your guest who's only, you've only met (laughs) twice. By the way, way. in case you plan on doing the dishes later. But I do think that like, it's like teaching your kids. Like if you show them how it's done, people are willing to help. And I just always kind of thought that was more trouble than it's worth or that it was sort of insulting. But I think if people want to help, so maybe if it's earlier in the day, or if you know, you know, if you know, you're going to be working together on the cleanup, 
you know, make it easy on people, kind of mm-hmm. show where things go or have like a, a place where everything's going to be stacked and you can put it away later. But I always feel like that that kind of bottlenecks when people are like, well, I'd love to help, but I don't know, yeah. you know, they don't know what, what to do, do with yeah. this stuff. So I think if, you know, if you can get ahead of that, people are often very willing to help, especially if you've hosted, you know, right. people... That's that's a really good point. And not only are people willing to help, I think people really want to help. And like speaking for myself, um, not only do I feel good about being able to give back in some way when somebody else is hosted, but also I get to a point, even though I'm an extrovert and I like talking with people, I get to a point, and I don't know if it's the mom in me or what, but I just want to be sort of industrious and I don't Mm -hmm. really want to sit and have conversation anymore. I just want to be on my feet doing something. And Mm -hmm. like getting to clean somebody else's kitchen is a real, like at a party is a nice break for me. It's a nice like reset button. Um, I really enjoy it. So I'm being very honest when I say, if I'm at your house and I want to clean your kitchen, I really want to clean it. So please just don't, you know, do the whole, Oh no, that's okay. Right. No, No, please sit down. I don't want to sit anymore. Yeah. I've I've already been sitting, talking to your uncle for the last half hour. I don't, I just want a little break right now. And (laughs) so. No, that's a good point. Um, The other thing, oh, I just had another thought about exhaustion is I am like, I, I'm a burnout early type. And I mean that in both in my, like the rhythm of my day, cause I'm a morning person. I get tired in the evening yeah. and also cause I'm a prepper and a planner and I tend to like use a lot of energy doing that stuff. And it sometimes leaves me like almost grumpy by the time the main thing yeah, happens. Yeah. And I, like, I'm one of those people that if people are coming over, I'll clean my house too early in the day. And then, it, and then it's like, Messy, messy by again. the time, yeah. you know? So <laughs> yeah. last year at Christmas, I don't remember why it was different, but I had always, for the last several holidays, I had never left myself cooking jobs for when people were going to come over. So say people were going to come over at three, you know, I would, we'd have, the turkey would be in the oven and whatever my responsibilities were, I would have made earlier in the day because I didn't want to be, to have to like multitask when people were over. And for some reason, last Christmas, oh, I I was making risotto. And risotto, you don't really, you know, I needed to be doing the thing where I stood at the stove and Mm -hmm. added the liquid a little by little. And it was actually the most relaxed I've ever been at a family gathering. And I think it was for a couple of reasons. I didn't overdo the, like, do everything. And I know everybody says do things ahead of time. So, of course, that's good advice. But I almost think for me, it makes, it can be like taken to the extreme and I burn out early. So I sat there cooking risotto while everyone was around, like you said, when people come to the kitchen and it like spread out my jobs and I wasn't, um, I hadn't killed myself trying to do everything ahead of time. Um, and it was actually the most relaxed I was. And I was cooking right up until dinner time. I was still working on my dish, which, which in the way my mind works seemed stressful or last minute. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it worked great. So I guess going back to the idea of being exhausted is just figure out ways to pace yourself whether you know so that that. so that you're not um either burning out early or leaving everything to the last minute either one and you know I I mean I'm sure we could probably go on about this all day I think another thing to remember is that to focus on the things that make a difference to people Mm -hmm. and really matter so like you know Maybe it's important that the bathrooms are clean and stocked with toilet paper, but it's probably not that important that, you know, the bedroom, even if that's where everyone's going to lay their coats, um, is 100% (laughs) spotless. And, you know, maybe it doesn't really matter that there's toys on the floor because if you're having kids come over, I mean, at some point there's going to be toys on the floor anyway. I mean, those kinds of things. And like you were saying, you know, uh, everything doesn't have to be done. Like people don't have to get there and you've got your makeup touched up and your apron off and all of the food is like done and ready to go. Like right. people can come and mingle for a little bit yep. and watch Things you cook. Things are still happening. Yep. And that's fine. That's just, yep. that's normal life. Um, another thing that I think is really important, look at like, look at your, and this is something that you were just kind of and getting at is look at your natural energy patterns during mm-hmm. the day. Um, on a day like, you know, we, if we do Thanksgiving um, at our house, generally speaking, we eat sort of like mid afternoon. So like two yeah. or three, um, okay. because then you can have, you know, leftovers again later. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then it's not super late when you're cleaning up and stuff. Um, but even with that, let's say I know we're going to eat at three and I know the turkey, I kind of have to start dealing with the turkey like at 11. Well, I'll sleep in. Right. And I'll have a super relaxed morning because I know when I start, I'm going to be hitting it hard for yes. like four hours. So right. I will have the most relaxed morning and I will be like, someone's bringing me breakfast in bed today yeah. and I'm going to l- like lounge around and not do anything because I know when I'm ready, when I hit it, but right. that's how I work. I'm very much like an, uh, like I'm either all right. in or I'm totally right. resting. That's my, right. that's kind of how my energy patterns work. Right. So I think we have to kind of know that about ourselves too. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, how, how we great. function well, what time of the day. You know, if you know yeah. every day you crash at like five o'clock, then don't have that be when you're getting dinner right. on the table. Right. <laughs> have that right. be when you're sinking into the recliner or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> with totally. Your glass of wine. Totally. So yeah, I, I think like we've, we've kind of covered all possible sides to that topic. I still feel like we could go on and on and suggest right. other things like hire a cleaning service to come the next day and just go to bed. <laughs> right. That would be another, that'd be another option. Use paper plates. I mean, there's just a lot of ways we can kind of do things, you know, less than perfectly yeah. and have we a great should, time. Um, maybe in the show notes, I'll round up a few of it. Cause we have a lot of good posts about kind of taking care of your energy as a mom mm-hmm. and all of that, that aren't necessarily Thanksgiving related, but good ways. So for the show notes, maybe I'll dig up a couple of those too. That's to a good idea. Finish off and let me just make like one more comment about that. Like I know there are certain traditions that we all have. And, and for like a lot of us, one of those is busting out all the good dishes mm-hmm. and the good, you know, silverware and stuff. Personally, I feel like the day that I host a dozen or more people in my house is not the day to, to use stuff that has to be hand-washed. Mm-hmm. Um, you can disagree. <laughs> I no, think, I'm... you know, but I think we can use really nice looking white plates that can go yeah. like white china that can go right in the dishwasher. It doesn't have to be grandma's, you know, antique china. We can use that maybe in a more intimate affair. Right. Or a family dinner where we don't mind the hand washing. No, that's a really that's a really good point. Um, actually, I have a question for you about that. I wanted to say really quick that that was Emily who started the question Thank about you, Emily. getting over exhausted. That came in on Facebook, but this is a legit question from me to you because this is like where my newer hosting Thanksgiving um, is. When I listened to your interview with Kristen, we'll link to that because she talked all about hosting and entertaining. Um, I loved her thought on picking up serving dishes at Goodwill and thrift stores and consignment mm-hmm. leading up to the holidays, like not waiting till the weekend before, right. but just looking. And that is like, I am just woefully understocked in serving dishes. And, and it's one thing where if you are busting out your nice china because you want to, because it's once a year, most people don't have enough serving dishes or the right sizes. And so what is, and I know you like, you like like vintage, like corningware and, Mm -hmm. you know, like vintage ceramic stuff. What is your, what is your serving? Do you have an eclectic mix? How do you, how do you decide what goes in what? Do you like, do you go by the look of things or functionality? Like tell me about servingware. Cause this is really, I'm going to be like on the lookout for some in the next few weeks. (laughs) Okay. I, um, okay. So I have exactly one antique platter. One. It was my grandma's, um, I don't really know much about it. It's very pretty. It cannot go in the dishwasher. I use it maybe every other holiday. I don't, it doesn't bust out every holiday. So I have platter, one. it's like, would you put the turkey on it? Like I'm just it, It's a little too small for the turkey. Okay. So like it an would oval. Work for, yeah, it would, it's an oval. It's, it, it would work for like a chicken and some okay. potatoes, but it wouldn't, okay. I don't think it would fit a turkey. Okay. Um, it just doesn't get used that often. I bust it out every now and then when I want something really special. I'm more likely to use that. Like when we're just having just our family, maybe like Christmas dinner mm-hmm. or something like that. That's when usually when I pull it out. I have one huge white, um, it's just like stoneware, I guess. I don't know, ceramic, no, probably ceramic, uh, white dish I got it or platter I got at Target a few years mm-hmm. ago, which is part of their one, whatever that line is that they have that's always, I can't think what it's called. I, didn't want, I want to say it's called home or something, but yeah, um, just plain white because it'll go with everything. Mm-hmm. And then I have a smaller white one that you could put you know, breads on or cheese, you know, cheese and meat platters, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then I use almost exclusively vintage Pyrex because what I like about it is that it's super practical. You can put it in the dishwasher. Um, I try to only collect pieces that have lids. Okay. Um, because it just makes it a lot easier when it comes to leftovers and stuff like that and keeping things warm. And I feel like it's special enough because Mm -hmm. it's, different and it's mm-hmm. not something everybody has it's also a conversation starter I mean I've had a lot of people come over and say yeah. oh my god my grandma had that so yeah. the one the two patterns that I kind of am collecting are from I want to say the 60s I'm not okay. 100% will you put a picture can we put a yes picture? I will because I know I've seen a picture somewhere and they reminded me yeah of stuff that I had I think when we were little or that that must have been my mom's then or you know yeah and I'll come up I'll find the name I thought my one was called like princess something or Cinderella um, and another one, uh, I can't remember. And I keep saying snowflake and that's not right. Cause that's a different pattern entirely. They're both blue. One is sort of like an aqua blue and one is more of a true blue, I guess. And so they kind of coordinate. Um, but I just feel like I'm not super into like really formal stuff. And right. 
I did for a while. Like my mom, I got a bunch of her gravy boats and all those kinds of things. And, and some of them were really fancy and I ended up kind of packing them away and never using them. And then I remembered that the reason that they seemed so fancy is because my mom never used them either. Right. <laughs> so right. they just got packed away. They were probably a wedding gift. Right. Um, so, you know, that I think that like cut glass is another thing that can mm-hmm. look really special, but just, you know, for your butter dish, maybe and your, um, like for your gravy and anything that has to be dipped out, we have little cut, little cut glass things that we use for, uh, like cranberry sauce mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, and it, it doesn't have to actually be a butter dish. You can just have a little dish and just put a little, right. some pats of right. butter in it. Right. Um, I have not had a super ton of luck finding those things, the ones I like at thrift stores, because, I think that people kind of got wise to the fact like that they were collectible. Right. So I pick mine up at antique stores. But okay. I mean, I might pay like, I would never pay more than maybe eight to $10 for a dish with a lid. Like, and I'm talking like right. a full sized right. serving bowl. Sometimes they've got dividers down the middle and you can put, you know, different things on each side. And um, so it does take a little bit of scouting. If you want to just make it super easy, you can go on Etsy and look and you'll just pay more. Honestly. Yeah, I love that. I just like the idea of I have this kind of vision of a more eclectic looking table because I'm not a super matchy person. But I feel like my problem right now is I have our wedding china, which that's another story. I kind of wish we hadn't got wedding china because everybody for the same wish reason. They I know. And china. when we do end up using it, yeah. we have we have a gravy boat that matches in a small serving dish. But of course, we we have to supplement with other serving dishes, and then it's like this thing. Well. Everything matches except for this, you know. Right. <laughs> Which and then I'd what are you going to do? Like go complete the I, pattern? I mean, you yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. So I'd rather, and I don't even love the pattern that we picked anyway. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I have this vision of like a sort of eclectic looking, but that's kind of a hard thing to start. Like right now, right. it's like either the fancy stuff that all matches or ugly stuff that doesn't match. You know, I'd, I'd yeah. love to be to have something like that where I maybe collected over the years. To yeah. Out. Well, and there's 8 million different Pyrex patterns and, and corningware patterns. And what I decided, like the way that I narrowed it down for myself was I decided to go with like blues and greens because I mm-hmm. thought then that way I could just, it would always yeah, look a good idea. kind of like it went. Yeah. Um, and so there are some newer things in there that I've just picked up here and there that I've liked that I thought would be really practical. Like I have these two bowls that are, I think, Fiesta wear. And they're just like these wide sort of like shallow bowls, but -hmm. they're really great for certain things and they're really um, durable and we use them a lot. And I didn't want to collect Fiesta wear because it's very expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, Right now it's super trendy. So I just, I knew that wasn't something I wanted to get into, but I got these two pieces and it just so happens they're like on the spectrum of colors with all the other stuff I have. So it looks good. And then my... And I, I have, I use tablecloths all the time. I love tablecloths. And plus our, our tables is antique and it's really banged up and mm-hmm. I'm not going to have it refinished anytime soon. So I just keep a tablecloth on all the time. And the colors that I just try to go with are things that would look like pale yellow and mm-hmm. cream and, you know, so that things are just always that are going to look good for right. those dishes. Right. Um, another thing I wanted to do, and this is some idea that I, I'm sure I saw on a blog someplace, was I, I really did kind of want to start collecting real silver, like at least silver plated, uh-huh. um, silverware, mm-hmm. but I don't think I'm going to go with one pattern. I think I want to just collect a whole bunch of different ones and I keep love them that. out on the table, like in a jar or something. I love that. So, because then it just feels less, and then I don't even really care if they're a little tarnished. I mean, I just, yeah. I want the, I love the history of it and mm-hmm. I, I like that it's this real thing and I love the way I love silverware yes. <laughs> and I just love the way it looks, but I don't want to feel like I'm stuck having a certain pattern or a certain look and polish or then if you have two more people than normal right you know like if you we have a lot of things that are either 10 or 12 and then we always end up with like 13 people you know and frankly I don't I'm so compartmental I'm so like categorical I'm like why is it all fit yeah and and frankly I just don't have a few thousand dollars to invest in silver right now right I don't want it's not a, a big enough priority no I love that. that I love that idea yeah I love it but I think you can you know I think things can feel a little special and a little formal without having, I mean, use some cloth napkins, but they can be the ones from Pier 1. They don't need right, to be, totally. you know, like pressed linen. <laughs> and- well, I, one of my biggest tricks for like more formal or more special dinners is that I have the cheapest, ugliest off-white tablecloths. I don't, I don't have as many tablecloths like you. I haven't needed them, but, um, and they are, if you look closely, they're stained. They're, I mean, they're clean. I wash them, but they're, they were cheap to begin with, mm-hmm. and I have two of them. But they, if you do a table runner on top and all the plates and pretty napkins, it doesn't matter. It gets right. spilled on every time anyway. That was like a big aha for me because I think white tablecloth and I think a nice white tablecloth. Right, right, right. This right. is like it's, – it's got so many, you know, stains that have kind of faded out, and I don't worry about like – 
you know, trying to spot clean it. And it's just, it's such a, it's such a like low pressure thing to not have a nice tablecloth because you cannot tell when it's on and the candles are lit and the, especially if I love a table runner. So it's nice if you have something covering it that maybe is more seasonal, like Christmas Mm -hmm. or, you know, Thanksgiving. So I love, I love setting tables. That's one of the ways that I feel like I get more creative, even more than the cooking is a pretty table. You'll have to take a picture of your table this year. And yeah. I might have a good one. I might even have a good one. If you have a good one, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, that's something that I always find that I enjoy. And then I've tried to pay attention to the fact that I enjoy it. And that's like, you know, I am, I do like to cook, but my husband loves to cook. So I I usually default, you know, I kind of like the fun stuff usually ends up being him. And uh, so I, so I have sort of like (laughs) the table setting is fun for me. That's fun. Well, and the other thing I was going to say, if anybody is wanting to get into tablecloths um, and is a little afraid of like the having to wash them all the time thing, go to Kohl's. And I think it's the Food Network line. They have these like, um, they're not checkered like like a color. It's like a textural checker, Okay, I guess, yeah, you yeah. know, and they're microfiber and they're, okay. it's amazing. Like you can spill, I've spilled a half a glass of, you know, milk on it and it just beads right up. And then you just dab it up. And I've used them sometimes. I'll use them. I'll just take them outside and shake them every couple of days. Okay. And I've used the same tablecloth for weeks sometimes. And we spill a lot. Right. But it's just nothing liquid soaks in. So you don't have to worry about And if something does, like if someone does spill, you don't have to do that thing where you're all terrified it's going to soak through and ruin your right. table. So right. just check that out. Kohl's. And there's usually some kind of a coupon or 40% off or, you know, how Kohl's so. works. There's always some kind of deal. Yeah. <laughs> so I've gotten awesome. a few there and they're great. Oh, that's good to know. So we, I feel we've kind of covered the main questions from kind of every area of this. Is there anything we haven't talked about? I'm sure there is. Like, do you, I mean, I know that you are still being a newbie. Do you have any questions? Well, the, um, the serving wear is something I'm definitely this year, I want to pick up some new things. And I kind of, like I said, I kind of want to have a different look than what I've tried to pull off in the past. So that was one of my things I was going to ask you. Um, no, I think, I think we've kind of covered it unless, um, yeah, unless you can think of anything, anything from your years of hosting over and over again. Well, you know what, let let me just go back to the serving wear thing really quick, because I think, you know, um, one of the things that you and I've talked about this before, as it relates to like art and decorating and having this feeling like you have to know exactly what you're going for. Right. When you and I kind of have a feeling maybe you're doing that yeah. right now. With, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And um, it's funny. I've gotten better about that with decorating my house and some other areas. But yeah, I do kind of just feel like I don't know where to start. Yeah. Well, that was why when I bought, I think that I bought that Target platter, the big huge white one. I bought it probably seven or eight years ago, and it was like literally I had gone and looked at platters so many times and installed and never bought one. I mean, over and over and over. I just kept doing it, and I was like, "What is the big deal? It's a platter. I'm tired of having to like." you know, cut up my turkey on eight different dinner plates because right. I don't have any large enough thing to put them right. on. And I realized that I was doing that. I was trying to like know exactly what I wanted my table to look like before I right. even got started and have it be perfect. And so I finally just said, you know, I can't go wrong with white. If nothing <laughs> else, I could always like Kristen said, and you know, in our um, podcast, her advice was to layer things because that looks really cool. Mm-hmm. So you can always use a white plain platter as a layering device if later mm-hmm. you get one that you love better in a different color. So I guess I guess my advice is just go with really simple stuff for now mm-hmm. if you just don't know. And just, you know, I guess commit because even if you, let's say you decide you're going to go pick up some um, thrift uh, corningware or thrift. Mm-hmm. And I will say certain patterns are easier to find. Like if you're looking for something that's more of the later mid-century, like 70s ish, mm-hmm. maybe even early 80s. That stuff is seems to be a lot easier to find mm-hmm. okay. um, thrifting than the older stuff. I mean, for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. So, but then you're like, oh, I don't know. Am I into olive green and harvest right. gold? Is <laughs> yeah. that really something I can get behind? My thing is just commit to it for one year. I mean, if you, right. you know, and if then you decide, yeah, this just isn't the color scheme I love. I mean, those are classic heirloom pieces. I mean, you right. know, you can give those back to Goodwill or you can give them to a friend who would probably be really happy to have them because a lot of people collect all of those different patterns. So, you know, it's not that big of a, a commitment. Yes. And the other thing about committing to that I've kind of learned is that if, if it feels like I'm, I tend to be a cheapskate sometimes when it's, when it comes to something that I think I'm only going to use once. So when you're shopping for like, say a Thanksgiving table, I have to remind myself that if this is something, if it's a little more than I wanted to spend, if it is something that you really are going to use over and over again, it's not, 
it's not, it, it just reframes it in terms of being frugal. Like, right. you know, sometimes I, I may be buying it for Thanksgiving. It's a, kind of the same with clothes. You might like, seems like sort of extravagant to buy a dress for one event, but if you end up wearing that dress a bunch more times, then obviously you're getting your wear out of it. And that's, that kind of makes it easier for me to commit to. Like, I'm not buying this platter for this one meal. Right, I'm buying it. And you, I think you come. tend to use those things over and over again, even more than you think because oh, you gosh, have yeah. it. So when no, you have and I it, use you my platter. Using. Yeah, I use my platter all the time. Right. Like every time I make something that needs a little room to spread out or get cut open, you know, right. cut up or whatever, I use it. I use it several times a week. So it's right. not something that, yeah, I did buy it for a holiday, but it gets tons of use. And the other thing I was going to say, you know, about serving dishes if you decide later, you know, in a couple of years, this is just really isn't the color I want or the pattern I want to be really displaying for special events, put it in a drawer, you know, put it in a cupboard and use it for popcorn or right. use it for right. leftovers. It doesn't right. have to always be gracing right. your holiday table. So that's kind of the yeah. way I'm looking at my pyrex. Like right now, I have it all out on an open shelf. People can see it all the time. People seem to really like it. I love it right now. But if I don't love it in a year or two, it's right. not really the end of the world. Right. I can still yeah. find a use for yeah, it. I think that's, I think that's great. Well, cool. cool. Well, okay. I guess we did kind of cover a lot of ground today. Yeah, I think it's. I think I think it's good. The the theme is don't worry about it. That's the theme. You know, it's the, the thing that is... always comes back to with us. Yeah. I know it's not, it can sound kind of glib sometimes, and we don't mean for it to. It's just no, at no, the no. end of the day, no one's going to look back and remember that. I mean, I think everyone has had the experience where everybody had the meal. It was great, whether it was you hosting or you're at somebody else's house. And then you realize like one of the things got left in the oven or the microwave right. totally, <laughs> totally never made it to the table. That yeah. happens to, and you don't even miss it during the dinner. It's yeah. only later. You're like, Oh, if only I'd had that out. If nobody and, missed it, no yeah. harm, no foul. <laughs> totally. And I think just so we're clear that you and I can relate to wanting to make everything special for the family that right. we're not saying like, oh, don't worry about it. It's all good. Like, I think I, I for sure am someone who likes to sort of orchestrate meaningful experiences for my family. And sometimes in the, in the right intention behind that, it, you can sort of like wind yourself up. So exactly. I totally, you know, all the worries I think that people wrote in about are totally relatable. And we're not saying like, don't worry about it. Right. But in the end, it but does we're kind of just saying, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> you can worry about it. Just give yourself, you know, a limit. Easy for us to say. Exactly. Exactly. Well, anyway. Um, all right, Sarah, this has been really fun. I would, you know, I think it would be awesome if people wrote us later and told us how their Thanksgiving went. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And we will try and, um, between Instagram and keeping up the Facebook page, we'll try and keep you guys, uh, up to speed on how our prep is going. I know the next couple of weeks I'm going to get the menu organized and all of that. So Yeah, and if you're listening to this and you're not a regular um, reader of the blog, you should go check it out right now because we're right in the middle of a yep. week where all we're doing is talking about hosting Thanksgiving. So we'll be covering stuff that we didn't cover today and probably in more detail covering yep. you know some of these topics. So definitely go to thehappiesthome.com and check it out. Um, the last few posts will be chock full of this kind of stuff. Yep. All right. Well, have a great holiday, Sarah. Thanks. You too, Megan. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Home Hour. Again, if you want to find out more about some of the things that Sarah and I talked about today, you can check out the show notes. They'll be at thehappiesthome.com backslash episode 53. That's thehappiesthome.com backslash episode 53. You can also find all the previous episodes of the Home Hour just by going to thehomehour.com and they'll be all there for you. Thanks so much for listening this week and we'll be back next week.